On today's Exploring History podcast, I'll talk about some old friends of mine and the difference they have made in my life. Welcome to Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. With the start of school, I think of the students who are going to receive reading assignments. This prompts some thoughts about how some old friends of mine, namely books, have enriched my life, and about how I'd like to encourage you, whether parent or student or anyone else, to read and to enjoy reading. Several years ago, I taught American history as an adjunct instructor at the State University in the city where we lived. I assigned a few short books for the students to read and asked that they give some feedback about them. For one of the books, one student wrote that this was the first book she had read cover to cover in her life. I was surprised, of course, that she had made it through high school without reading a single complete book, but I'm also sad that she had missed out on one of the great joys that I have had, namely reading literature. I want that not to be the case for students who are listening or who are using Notgrass curriculum. I hope that I can encourage all of you to be lifetime readers and not just reading for school assignments. Reading is a passion for me. Over the last several years, I have read or listened to an average of 50 to 60 books each year. Charlene reads or listens to about 40 or 50 herself. I can't imagine a life without books. The first book that I remember reading is one I checked out of our county library multiple times. It was about a puppy that wandered into the woods and hurt his paw. A family of moles took him in and nursed him back to health. I especially remember the ending of the book. When the puppy's paw is healed, he is going home, and the puppy and the mole family are waving goodbye to each other. That was always a touching scene to me. I think the book had some qualities of good literature. It prompted my imagination to ask, what if? What if a puppy got lost and hurt his paw? And what if a family of moles helped him? It taught me the joy of serving others, as the moles did for the puppy. It portrayed happy and sad moments in the same event. The moles were helpful, but the puppy was away from his home. And isn't life like that, happy and sad at the same time? A few years later, a girl in our neighborhood who was older than I offered me her Bobsy Twins books that she had outgrown. I took them, of course, and added to the collection over the next few years by buying some of my own. I still have them, and now one of our grandchildren has read through all of my 30-odd Bobsy Twins books. Great literature they are not but I spent many happy hours reading and rereading The Adventures of Bert and Nan and Freddie and Flossie. In elementary school, I discovered The Little House Books by Laura Ingalls Wilder. When Charlene and I had children, these books became an integral part of our family life. We've even visited the places where Laura and her family lived. I encourage you not to classify these books as just children's books. They tell what the homesteading experience was like on the American frontier. 
Some passages in the book are absolutely wonderful writing. And, by the way, the books are very different from, and in my opinion superior to, the Little House TV series of some years ago. The books do contain some disrespectful passages about Native peoples and African Americans. Sadly, those passages reflect an all-too-common worldview of the day. However, the books also show respect for Native people and tell of the heroism of an African American physician who saved the Ingalls' lives. When I was in junior high, my dad encouraged me to read the novel David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. I absolutely loved it, and today it is still my favorite novel. I think reading David Copperfield was a big influence in developing my desire to write. I wanted to do for others what Charles Dickens did for me. I became a big fan of Dickens and read several other of his works. Now I have three favorite novels by him, David Copperfield, Great Expectations, and A Tale of Two Cities. Dickens' character development, humor, and plot twists are wonderful. When Charlene and I learn about how people we know have surprising connections with each other, we sometimes say that life is like a Dickens novel. In high school, I was blessed to have excellent English teachers who helped me appreciate what authors were doing in the books we read. These teachers loved books, and they encouraged the same love in me. Also in high school, I discovered the political writing of William F. Buckley, Jr. I appreciated his political insights and enjoyed his writing style, which I consciously tried to imitate for many years. Through my adult years, I have continued to read extensively, mostly books addressing spiritual topics, which helped my personal spiritual growth, as well as histories and biographies. When I was in graduate school, a friend at church recommended that I read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and again I was taken. I have collected just about all of Lewis's books. I find him remarkably insightful. Even though he wrote a couple of generations ago, his observations are extremely relevant today. I have read or listened to all of the full-length books by David McCullough, who passed away just a few days ago. McCullough made history come alive as few authors have. When you can make civil engineering interesting reading, as McCullough did with his books about the Brooklyn Bridge and the Panama Canal, you've done something. His biographies of Harry Truman and John Adams were landmark publishing events. The popularity of his books created a market for serious but readable history books that more good historians have sought to fill. I have also enjoyed the historian Stephen Ambrose, the economics and social commentary of Thomas Sowell, and other authors too numerous to mention. One book that I highly recommend is Democracy in America by Alexis de Tocqueville. This French sociologist visited the United States in the early 1830s, ostensibly to study the American prison system, but his completed work is an amazing commentary on American life and politics. Even though de Tocqueville wrote it almost 200 years ago, I find many of his comments extremely relevant and applicable today. If there is one additional book I would love to assign to students who use the Exploring America High School curriculum from Notgrass, it would be Democracy in America. I haven't done so because of its length, but I encourage you to give it a try on your own. 
I believe it will be worth your time. Books fire the imagination for what can be. One book that did this for me was Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. Douglass was a slave who decided, I'm not going to take this anymore. He escaped and eventually purchased his freedom, and he became the leading black spokesman for abolition before the Civil War. I read the book just as we were starting Notgrass History, and it encouraged me to go for it, to pursue my dreams. Some books are so influential that they start or facilitate a cause. Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe was just such a book. It had a major impact on the abolitionist cause and on the South's increased defiance about slavery. You can read about Uncle Tom's Cabin and not be moved, but you cannot read the book itself without being profoundly moved. Books illustrate qualities such as truth, beauty, justice, and loyalty. They do this because we love a good story, whether fiction or real life. That's why Jesus' parables are so effective in teaching the lessons he wanted to get across. The scene in Across Five Aprils, when the teacher Shadrach Yale comes back from the Civil War and greets the main character, Jethro Creighton, is one of the most moving scenes that I have read. In the book, you get to know the young teacher and the younger boy quite well, and to think about how the four years of war changed and matured them both is profound. Books also introduce you to a wider world than the one you occupy, to learn about different people and different places, and to gain deeper insights into people and events that you know only a little about. Expand your mind. Literature helps history come alive. You can read in a textbook about the Jim Crow era in the American South, but Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry, for instance, makes that era come alive. I think this poem by Emily Dickinson expresses this attribute of books well. There is no frigate like a book to take us lands away, nor any coursers like a page of prancing poetry. This traverse may the poorest take without oppressive toll, How frugal is the chariot that bears the human soul. Dickinson was saying that boarding the ship of a book is an inexpensive way to visit faraway lands. One common question is, what makes a book good? Here are my thoughts. It's well written. In other words, you want to read it. It tells a good story. It's engaging. It helps you appreciate the human experience in either of two ways. It tells of a shared experience with which you identify, or it describes someone who has accomplished something exceptional, who goes beyond the average, to convey what people are capable of. A good book honors God, maybe not directly, but in some way it promotes what Paul described in Philippians 4, things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, excellent, and worthy of praise. A good book is redemptive. In other words, it takes something or someone who is bad or has a bad reputation and makes something good of him. It describes a second chance, a recovery from a mistake. To Kill a Mockingbird describes the redemption of the mysterious Boo Radley in the eyes of the community and the redemption of Atticus Finch in the eyes of his daughter, Scout. 
The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe describes the redemption of Edmund after he betrays his brother and sisters. Another question is, what about objectionable content? This is a difficult call to make. Many books have good stories, but they also have bad language or questionable situations. Is it worth going through all of that? Well, we're all jars of clay. No book except the Bible is perfect. A big question to ask is whether the good in a book far outweighs the problems. Books by David McCullough and Stephen Ambrose, and even C.S. Lewis sometimes, occasionally include bad language or say things I disagree with. Sadly, even the Bobsett Twins books include racial stereotypes. But for me, their good far outweighs the problems. However, I've decided that many books that have a great deal of bad language, but have a supposedly good message, aren't worth reading. I can get the same message from another book without the baggage. A lot of times I've used a three-strike rule. I'll start a book, but if I run into three problem words or passages pretty quickly, I get the drift of how the book develops and will put it down and read something else. You're not going to read everything, even everything you might want to read. So feed your mind on the good stuff, on what will build you up and not tear you down. Sometimes you might hear the comment, well, at least the children are reading something. I don't agree with that. You wouldn't feed your child something that is harmful or poisonous, so why should you feed their minds with something harmful or poisonous? You can't unlearn or unread something that goes into your mind. Your child is the same way. There is so much good literature available that you don't have to choose something that isn't. Here are a few thoughts about other topics related to reading. One of our favorite family memories is reading books aloud together. Usually, I would read the book while Charlene and the children worked on needlework projects built with Legos or just sat and listened. It was a great experience for us, and we made special memories and added favorite phrases and scenes to our family vocabulary. One way we know what reading books aloud meant to our children is the fact that our children are now reading books aloud to their children. Charlene and I listen to many audiobooks. We listen as we go through our various tasks during our days, but we try not to separate ourselves from other people. Listening to a book while doing something else is a different dynamic from sitting down and reading a print book, but we still find it worthwhile. Your local or state library might have an arrangement in which you can borrow audiobooks, so I encourage you to check this out. There are also several services through which you can purchase audiobooks, but that can become expensive. I know that many children and adults find reading difficult, and my heart goes out to you about this. Using audiobooks or reading books aloud might be ways that you can enjoy the benefit of books and work around this difficulty. I have read many ebooks, but I want to give a warning about younger children reading them. Studies have shown that our brains don't learn from ebooks as well as from printed books. The difference between the two kinds of books is probably a toss up for adults, but they can be a detriment for a child's learning. I want to encourage students and adults to be lifetime readers. 
Today's podcast is not just about encouraging students to read their literature assignments for school. The world of books is open to you beyond reading assignments. Knotgrass History Curriculum assigns whole books, not just chapters. I'm afraid that the typical anthologies that many teachers use might be like an inoculation of a little bit of a disease that keeps someone from catching the real thing. Authors create their work to be appreciated from beginning to end. Reading portions of works doesn't really do them justice. In addition, Knotgrass History offers literary analysis of the books that students read in high school, along with some content questions and analysis questions, but we aren't heavy about that. I imagine that you adults, if you knew that if you bought a book or checked one out of the library, you would have to take a test on it or write a paper about it, you might be discouraged from reading it. Doing some literary analysis is necessary to make sure a student is reading a book and getting the point of it, but we'd rather encourage students, and adults for that matter, just to enjoy reading in the hope that this will light a fire for reading throughout life. You might wonder what other books I'd recommend. As a starting point, I'd suggest the literature lists that accompany all of our curricula, which you can find on our company website, history.notgrass.com. We choose these books carefully because they are wholesome, well-written, and tell good, worthwhile stories. If you'd like further suggestions, email me at ray at notgrass.com, tell me what you are looking for, and I'll be glad to suggest what I can. There's one final book of which I'd like to make special mention, and that is the Bible. I can't adequately tell you what an impact reading the Bible has had in my life. It tells me the truth about Jesus. It teaches me about God. It has convicted me and reassured me and done much more. I encourage you to read it the way it was written, as whole books, each of which has a theme and specific message, and to read it in faith, seeking to learn the truth that God has revealed in it. I have read through the Bible several times, and I still find new insights in it because I have grown and my perspectives have changed. When I am reading the Bible on a regular, if not daily, basis, I find that I am growing spiritually. When I'm not, I feel as though I am lagging spiritually. As Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And that, my friends, is a good book. I'm Ray Notgrass. Thanks for exploring history and books with me today. This has been Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, and please leave a rating and review so that we can reach more people with our episodes. If you want to learn about new homeschool resources and opportunities from Notgrass History, you can sign up for our email newsletter at exploringhistorypodcast.com. This program was produced by me, Titus Anderson. Thanks for listening.